Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Thanks for listening to Activate, a podcast designed to challenge you to make your faith more active in your life. My name's Brandon, and we're joined today by Pastor Christian Newsom of Journey Church International. And today we're going to continue our conversation with our current series, Famous Last Words, What Jesus Wants You to Know from His Seven Statements from the Cross. Christian, we've been doing this for three months now, and I'm just curious what kind of feedback are you hearing from people? I, I heard recently of a of a gentleman that's been listening to the podcast not once, but over three times a week. I mean, I, I don't get it. Why? How can you listen to these voices more than once a week? So what are you hearing? Well, you know, Hebrews 4 says the Word of God is living and it's active. And I think every time you listen to Scripture taught or Scripture uh, explained a little deeper, you uh, you hear it differently based on where you are in life. Um, so from a listener who would listen two or three times a week to somebody who would listen one time, uh, you know, I count it a great honor that uh, that people would listen. You know, our, our idea at the beginning of the year, as we looked at this, we said, man, how can we minister better to our people, to the people who are sitting in our seats on Sunday, to our people uh, who are listening to messages throughout the week? How can we connect to them on a deeper level and not just uh, really preach them a sermon, but have a discussion with them about that sermon, about the application of that sermon, about how to make that uh, those scriptural principles active? Uh, in their life. So we kind of said, let's try a podcast and see how it goes. Uh, and now, you know, nearly three months into it, uh, you know, it's become a great, great ministry for a lot of people in our church. Uh, and really, really, I'm just, uh, I'm honored that people would join us once a week uh, and just listen into more, uh, you know, of what God is doing in my life, of what God's doing in our church, uh, of what I'm learning and just trying to pass on from the scriptures that I've been learning. And Christian, we are always trying to do it better. We have a value here on staff as a relentless pursuit of better. So we receive feedback. So so here's a question we recently received, and Christian, let me just preface it by saying I appreciate the fact that you not always say what we want to hear or what you think everyone will agree with from the stage, and so you often challenge us to reshape the way we think. So um, we received an email this week about your message on the James Effect and the importance of spiritual community and spiritual family from somebody who has struggled with it in the past. They state, it can be a little insulting to say that all people need to do is make an effort and get involved to have fellowship. Uh, they go on to describe 20 years of bad experience with pastors and church leaders and church members and former churches. And then they state, I have no reason to believe it will be any different. Christian, how would you respond to others that have had similar experiences? Yeah, well, first, you know, I, I would apologize, um, you know, and I did. I, you know, I emailed this gentleman back and said, man, I'm so sorry if that insulted you. That was not my intention. You know, sometimes when you preach a message four times, you say things differently every time. And, you know, and if I really made it seem easy just to get involved in Christian fellowship. I, I know that's not true. So I apologize uh, for doing that, especially for anybody who's, who's ever had a negative experience in church. And a lot of people have, um, you know, I actually tried to acknowledge that, uh, and talked about people needing a season of solitude and how that can be healthy when you're coming off a season of hurt, a season of solitude can be healthy. If you've had bad experiences in the past, um, you know, he asked me the question, I have no reason to believe it'll be any different. You know what? I have no reason to believe that your experience at Journey will be different either. But I've learned to trust God where Scripture is concerned. 
And Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says spiritual isolation is dangerous. It doesn't say spiritual isolation is dangerous unless you've had a bad experience and then stay isolated. It says spiritual isolation is dangerous. So at some point, you learn to love people because you trust God. You trust God enough to give people another chance, not because of the people, but because of God. And I think if you love people um, because you trust God, eventually you might learn to trust people too. But Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 is not conditional. It it doesn't say if you've never had a bad experience, um, you should live in community. Uh, If you have had a bad experience, it says stay alone. No, it, it says being alone is dangerous. You're going to fall. You're going to have some hard times. Uh, you're going to be under attack. Do not live by yourself regardless of bad experiences. And even David in a lot of the Psalms you know, talked about being betrayed by friends, being betrayed by family, being betrayed by spiritual authority in his life. He had to wrestle through that. But he's known because of his relationships, his mighty men, the people that he continued to surround himself with. So... You know, process and move through what you've been through, but trust God enough to keep trying. That's good. And I think you'd agree, the closer you draw to people, the closer you get to people, it just gets messier sometimes. I don't know a Christian that hasn't had a messy experience in church, Brandon, to be honest with you. Um, And there are a lot of Christians who have had messy experiences because they've been friends with me. Because there are times in my past when I've led poorly, when I've loved poorly, when I've asked more of others that I was willing to give of myself. So there are people who could line up to write an email that say, I'll never engage in community again because I engage with Christian Newsom and he was not Jesus to me. I'm grateful that others have given me second chances. And because of that, I give people second chances i trust god so i love people and i'm not only going to need second chances i'll need third chances and fourth of course yeah well let's jump into your message and by the way we want to hear from you don't forget to send us your email send us your questions because we really want to do it better and we want to answer your questions so please please send us emails at activate at take the journey dot cc let's jump into your message this week we've you've entitled it now and later and we're looking at the seven statements of jesus on the cross Um, one of the key thoughts in your message was this idea of jesus as the messiah Uh, you remind us uh, you reminded us this week that the term messiah represented basically three things Can, can you unpack that a little bit more for us today in the podcast and then Let me ask you this. How do you see and value Jesus as the Messiah most in your life, Christian? Yes, I'm going to hone in a little more, right? You you talked about Jesus being referred to as the Messiah. Let's get real specific. The criminal hanging on the cross next to Jesus said, if you're the Messiah, save us. Save me, save yourself. The fact that the criminal called him the Messiah meant that there was some spiritual history in his background. Now, here's what's interesting. The word Messiah is not used in the Hebrew Bible. The 39 books of the Old Testament, which we call Old Testament, which Jewish people have as the Hebrew Bible, the word Messiah is not used there. There are three concepts. The word Messiah really means anointed one. And there were three concepts unpacked by the prophets of the Old Testament that pointed to a future anointed one of Israel who would fulfill some roles. Um, One was an anointed servant of God who would suffer 
spiritually so that people could be connected to God through his suffering. We see him in Isaiah 53 as the suffering servant. This is a picture of an anointed person who offers not just forgiveness, but relationship with God. There was a picture of an anointed king of Israel, uh, which really helps us see that one day there will be someone anointed spiritually who has authority, um, you know, and is allowed to be in charge that we give authority in our life. Uh, and then Daniel specifically talked a lot about uh, someone he called the son of man, um, who would be the end times ruler of the eternal kingdom of God, an anointed person who would be this. A lot of the Jews in Jesus day saw those as three different people. And they weren't sure which would come first. Um, And there was a group of people specifically who thought the Messiah would first come as a king, conquer an invading force. And, you know, and then he would find a priest who would become the suffering servant. And then eventually that would usher in the, the end times. They thought there were three different people. So this man hanging on the cross, when he asked Jesus if he was the Messiah, that was a term that developed in the intertestamental period. So between the end of Malachi, between Matthew chapter one, we have 400 years of silence that are known in history as the dark ages, where there's no kind of Hebrew scripture written in the Judeo-Christian ethic. Um, you know, this thought had developed that the Messiah would come to save the people. And this this first criminal on the cross speaking to Jesus expected him to have authority over Rome and was kind of saying, get us off the cross. And it's interesting, you know, people today that we still, even though Jesus fulfilled all of these roles of the Messiah and today still fulfills all these roles of the Messiah, which means he suffered spiritually to connect us to God, to offer us forgiveness, to give us a relationship. Through his word, he has authority. He upheld the authority of the ancient scripture. He brought new, new authority through the New Testament scripture. Um, and he is and will reign eternally in the one day eternal kingdom of God. Even though that's true, we all still kind of only kind of have a little bit of each of these in us. You know, some people, they see Jesus as a suffering servant. They love Jesus because he can forgive them and offer them a relationship with God, but they don't want his authority. They don't do what the Bible says in their life, uh, in their marriage, in their parenting, in their finances, in their emotions, in their actions, in their reactions. They accept Jesus as that suffering servant, but they don't give him absolute authority. Um, some people just see Jesus as the son of man. They, they focus on him because they can't wait to one day live in the eternal kingdom of God, but they don't care much about their connection to Jesus now. So it's interesting that while Jesus fulfills all these roles, like that criminal on the cross, sometimes we still kind of pick and choose them. And I'll be honest, depending on where I am in my day, sometimes I need the suffering servant. Sometimes I need the authority. Sometimes I need the comfort of eternity. But it's good to understand all these roles of Jesus as the Messiah. So Christian, you you made a powerful statement in your message, the one that I'm still resonating with. What can eclipse our spiritual perspective is the priority of me, like M-E, me. We all tend to live in our own little me universe from time to time, Christian. In your ministry experience, how have you seen people turned off toward anything spiritual because they just felt like their needs weren't met by Jesus in the past? And then, and then what would you advise them? What, w- what would your advice be to them? Well, first, I think a lot of people have been introduced to a Jesus that really is more genie in a bottle than Savior from the Scriptures. And when you, don't, when you rub the bottle and Jesus doesn't grant you three wishes, it's like I'm out. But you've never met and been introduced to the real Jesus 
who meets your needs. But here's here's what you got to remember. Um, I don't think Jesus promises to meet every like quote unquote need that the typical American believes that they have. Remember, America is the land that when we went on a mission trip to Guatemala and showed the kids pictures of our houses that one of the kids asked, you have houses for your cars? Yes, in America, we have houses for our cars, cars called garages. Um, you know, I don't know that Jesus' intention was to meet every need of the American Christian trying to keep up with their American neighbors. Um but but second, our greatest need, our greatest needs are eternal life and internal life. Like we're dying from the inside out. All of us have souls that are starving. And Jesus comes to give us internal life. He, he comes to, to plant the kingdom of God in our spirit. That's what Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He said the kingdom of God is birthed inside of you. Like it's, it's not in the town that you live in. It's the heart that resides inside your chest. And that that kingdom of God is connected to the eternal kingdom of God, which is why this place doesn't feel like home anymore. And it's why as you grow in, in your faith, you don't expect every need of your life to be met here because there are some needs that can only be met in the eternal, perfect kingdom of God where God resides. Um, so if I, if I had some people, you know, turned off by Jesus, no, not by the real Jesus, I've had people place some expectations on Jesus that he doesn't promise, nor does he need to on this side of eternity, um, you know, where, where they kind of demand like a genie in the bottle, grant my wishes. And Jesus, sometimes just because he wants them to learn, because he wants them to develop a spirit for others, um, sometimes just because we're broken people living in a broken world. We go through broken things. Uh, and Jesus says, what I do inside you, the internal life that I give you and the eternal life that I give you, it's actually more than you'd ever need. But sometimes you don't realize that until it's all that you have. So in his final moments on the cross, what I really appreciate about what Jesus was doing is he was still ministering to people. I mean, even up to the moment of his passing, he was ministering to the two individuals sure. on the cross. Sure. Uh, one of the criminals on the cross pleaded with Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Uh, you refer to this as the kingdom of when. What is the mindset of a Christian who lives with a kingdom of win mindset? Well, yeah, so Jesus was the opposite of living in the kingdom of me, right? I mean, we said the kingdom of me eclipses everything. Uh, Jesus on the cross still was talking to the guys on his right and his left, the people at the foot of the cross. He just never managed to allow himself to get in the way of others or God's plan for his life. And, you know, when we focus on me... It, it ruins our marriage. It makes us bad parents, probably makes us bad employees, makes us bad bosses, makes us bad citizens. When we think it's all about us, it's hard. And Jesus didn't do that. Jesus not only didn't make it about him, but he didn't make it about now and he didn't make it about here. So when this criminal hanging next to Jesus said, remember me when you go into your kingdom. Remember the word kingdom has a lot of spiritual weight to it. That wasn't a word loosely thrown around. He didn't say, remember me when you get into heaven. Remember me in the afterlife. He said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He, he, had, he expected and understood that Jesus was that son of man figure who would have an eternal reign and an eternal kingdom. And in this moment on the cross, he, he, he allowed suffering 
to sharpen his perspective that Jesus offers hope for more than today. And he wanted that hope that was more than today. And you know what? We need to remember when we're suffering, when we're in a spot of tension, uh, when we're in a spot of tragedy, we have to remember at the end of the day, the spiritual promises that Jesus offers are still true. And at the end of the day, really only the spiritual promises are worth holding on to because they're the only things they last that last. In Second Peter 3.10, Peter talking about what ultimately happens to life on earth. Uh, says the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief. The heavens are going to disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare since everything will be destroyed in this way. What kind of people ought you to be? Like since you realize everything in this world is going away, how should you live your life? You know, a few weeks ago, there was a massive fire in Overland Park that caused hundreds of millions of dollars worth of damage and burned like 20 households. At that time, people were able to focus on a perspective that was a little different. I heard a pastor say that he had a friend, a very wealthy businessman, uh, who wrote the initials S-T-B be on everything that he owned, every item in his house and every item in his business, S-T-B-B, which stands for soon to be burned. Because of Second Peter 3.10, he wanted to remind himself that everything in his life that wasn't tied to a spiritual promise or a human relationship was destined to be burned up. So all the equipment in his office, all the equipment in his business, everything in his house, he managed to pencil the letters S-T-B-B, soon to be burned, so he could remember this is not what it's all about. Only the eternal investments last forever. My tithe, it's not going to be burned up. It's going to go ahead of me to prepare a place for me in heaven. My time with the people of God, it's not going to be burned up. It's going to go ahead of me to eternal rewards. My time serving the people of the church of God is not going to be burned up. It's going to go ahead of me. My time telling people about God is going to result in eternal life. These are the things that will last forever. And when the guy said he was going to focus on the kingdom of win on the cross, he was saying, I want to change my perspective and do things that count for eternity first. That is the kingdom that means the most to me. These things will last forever in Jesus' real kingdom. And remember what Jesus told Pilate in John 18, 36. Pilate said, tell me about your kingdom, king. And Jesus said, my kingdom's not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is from another world place. In John 3, 5, he told Nicodemus, you enter the kingdom through your spirit. So I live in my spirit to do things that will be eternal because that's where my spiritual home is. You know, I'm really excited. We're just that much closer right now to Jesus coming back. And I don't know if you would agree, but would you say that it's the greatest time to be connected to God through Jesus and his word? There's no question. Not only would I say that, Scripture says that. So the author of Hebrews in Hebrews 11, 9, in Hebrews chapter 11, we read what's called the Faith Hall of Fame. We we read the great heroes of the Old Testament. And at the end of that, after presenting, starting with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and going all the way through everyone in the Old Testament, the the author of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 39 and 40. He said these, speaking of everyone in the Old Testament, these were all commended for their faith, Yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better 
for us to experience with them. Yes, because we know about Jesus, because we have his words, we can go walk the streets of a of a Jewish Jerusalem that Abraham never knew about. We can go to the garden tomb. We can go to Golgotha. We have promises fulfilled and we have scripture written that Old Testament saints could have only hoped to have experienced or hear about or understand. So yeah, I believe it's the greatest time in the world, as did the authors in New Testament scripture, to be connected to God because we just have more resources and more revelation to do that today than we have ever had before, along with more access to archaeology, to history, um, to travel, to take us to the places to see where the stories of faith unfolded. Well, Christian, uh uh, let, let's wrap up today. I, I'm I'm really excited for next week's statement um, from the cross. What what are we going to be learning next week, Christian? Well, next week's Easter Sunday, uh, which is really exciting, and we're going to hear Jesus say one final word and one final phrase. He's going to say the word tetelestai, which means finished. It's finished. And then he's going to say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he's basically going to say at some point in life, everyone's going to finish their race and commit their hands into God's spirit if they choose to follow Jesus. So I'm excited, I'm excited to talk about what it means that Jesus has finished his work and how we can commit our spirit into God's hands because Jesus finished his work. On behalf of Christian and myself, we want to just thank you for listening each and every week. We appreciate you tuning in, and we pray that our conversation today makes your conversations with your friends, uh, with your coworkers, with your family, Uh, wherever you are at this week, just a little bit easier and more impactful. We'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. As you heard in this episode, Christian answered several questions from some of our listeners. You might have a question you'd like to ask as well. To submit that question, all you need to do is send us an email to activate at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes. Also, share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.